What's up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today, we're here with Tony. My name is Cody Myers. I'm the videographer, and I'm going to ask Tony some questions today. All right, first question, Tony. What advice would you give your younger self? Uh, I think that there's there's a recent belief that I just changed uh, that I saw uh, myself coming from a place of judgment, and that was... Man, I, I used to judge myself a lot and feel a lot more negative about the things that uh, I was doing and the results that I was getting from anything from like high school to some of the jobs that I had to college. I was just, I was struggling with feeling like I was enough. And the belief that I ended up creating or adopted from a friend was uh, everyone's a hypocrite, which sounds like, like a good, like, almost like a truth. Uh, the problem with everyone's a hypocrite is that everyone then deserves judgment. So uh, what I figured out instead is when you instead just believe that people are doing the best that they can with the resources that they had at the time, you know, if you're thinking back on something in the past, you didn't like the results that were created or the thing that happened to you kind of thing. Uh, if you just believe that people are doing the best they can with the resources that they have, then you can approach it from empathy. Like you can, it doesn't necessarily need to be attached empathy. It can be detached empathy where you're like, hey, I at least have some level of understanding of where they were coming from because of their you know, programming, because of their baggage, because of their limiting beliefs or their limiting decisions or you know, how they were treated growing up and that sort of thing, because we're all just kids raising kids. Like, even adults aren't really adults. They just, just carry over a bunch of baggage and limiting beliefs that you had as a kid over into your adult life. Sometimes, sometimes people do better as kids than they did as adults, and sometimes people do better as adults than they did as kids. But, yeah, the, the advice to my younger self would just be to understand that, I'm doing the best that I can. So I would tell my youngest self, like, hey, it's all going to end up working out for the better. You just have to trust that God, your highest self, there's someone watching you, smiling, nodding their head, being like, this is exactly as it's supposed to happen. Um, and I think that would have like been a message of hope for my younger self to be like, oh, yeah, there's always hope even when things don't look great or you feel like you're really going through some stuff, there's always hope. That's awesome. Good answer. What does success mean to you? Mm. Man, I think it, it changes as we age. And uh, it just depends on our values at the time. And so the folks who are listening to this would probably not be as happy with like me, my wanting a Porsche. I just did like a little bit of a visionary thing with uh, Jimmy LaRue. We sat down and we did a breakthrough session on the context of career. I could see some storage units in the background, which means I'm gonna, I, I want to get into bigger deals, do some more commercial stuff, that sort of thing. Look for some investments that are gonna be more like cash cows. And you know, I, I think that people will want me to talk about the why too. 
because uh, then it'll make them feel good and tingly inside and everything. <laughs> I don't think that it's spiritual to be broke because then you can't operate from abundance. If you're constantly worried about where your next meal is going to come from and you're worried about how you're going to pay your house payment and you're worried about your car, like besides spending habits and that sort of thing and protecting the, the bottom end, if you can't like generate massive amounts of income and create abundance in your life, it's hard to give generously. And so the reason that I want wealth ultimately is because I like helping people. I like getting people to come to the PSI seminar. I talked about it forever. Cody was like, dude, I don't know what that is. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> Everybody in the office just knows that, like, man, I push. There are certain things that I just push because I just want the best for people. And so when I think about success, I thought, think about continuing to grow so that I can continue to give. In order to keep giving, you've got to keep growing. And so ultimately, my why is like, uh, taking care of my family is one thing. Taking care of myself is one thing. You know, if you if you want to retire, you probably need about five million dollars, um, just so you can pay yourself a residual salary of around a hundred thousand. And with the if you're just pulling the interest off that five million and assuming you're going to live until you're like 150, it's pretty sustainable. Um, if you want to create wealth for your family and give back to your family, you're going to need more than $5 million. You might need $10 million. If you want to impact your local community, uh, you might need $100 million. If you want to change your city forever, you might need a few billion. So it all depends on where your goal's at, and I think we spiral up as to the amount of success that we believe we can accomplish. I know I was primarily talking about money during that one. Um, However, there's a spiritual component, there's a giving back component, there's a generosity component. And then think of all the areas of life, like physical health, being phys being uh, successful in physical health. I have a pretty quality body. Um, I'm just tight all the time. My, my thoracic spine, my neck is kind of tight right now. And so for me, I'd like to be able to move without pain, without tightness. That's success for me in physical health. You know, success for me in spirituality is feeling like God's got me and having faith and meditating consistently and praying and being grateful, practicing gratefulness. And then in relationships, it's being proud of who my daughter is and enjoying my time with her and being present with her, teaching her everything that I know so that she can uh, fight her dragons uh, more easily, having been armed with uh, sufficient weapons, you know, skills, knowledge, talent, that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, success with my parents, my sister, that sort of thing is just being able to talk to them, being able to connect with them and, and being able to have deep conversations and that sort of thing. So success in all areas of life is important. It's not just about money. There are a lot of really uh, wealthy people who uh, you know, end up killing themselves or end up dying or end up, uh, you know, dying from drugs and other things because they pursued what was going to make them happy in the short term, but they didn't pursue a why or anything that actually had real meaning or substance. They just, um, you know, ended up going after, uh, you know, they, they were obsessed with, I, I think of, I think it's 1984, sports, sex, and Soma. Soma is like a drug and how we just get obsessed with, you know, culture or scrolling or uh, addictions, things like that. And uh, how really um, 
happiness can be kind of a garbage goal. You should pursue what is meaningful. So success is when you're consistently pursuing what is meaningful and you're fulfilling all of the areas of life and uh, continually working toward uh, those. And, and there's time for time to take a break, time to mm-hmm. go enjoy yourself, you know, on the beach. Uh, leisure and knowing your values too, knowing your values and what motivates you and what, uh, yeah, knowing your values will help you determine what success means for you as well. <laughs> Dakota's answers were probably like two sentences in my <laughs> a book. Yeah, his he explained pretty well, but <laughs> yours are longer, which that's good. It's going to make for good content. So. I'm figuring them out as I'm saying them. Yeah, I love it. I don't know if you've ever been asked this one. Um, what did you think you were going to be when you were younger, when you grew up? So initially, uh, the one that sticks in my head was wanting to be a comic book writer or like the person who drew the funnies in the newspaper. My grandpa would always like get those out and he'd be like, hey, bub, do you want to read the, the comics? And I would get out and I would read them. And uh, there was a guy, I think, I can't remember what channel it was on, but it was Mark Kistler's Imagination Station. He always wore like a racing jacket of sorts. He had a mustache and like some some curly hair and stuff. And he would like draw. He'd be like, okay, we're going to give this, uh, it's a treasure chest and we're going to give it two big eyes and, you know, <laughs> then like a big old tongue. And, it's a, and so he would just draw these things and I would sit there and I'd watch him draw and then I would draw. And so uh, I, I think. I remember that. Yeah, I just loved drawing. My daughter does too. Um, there's an artistic side of me that doesn't necessarily get that much credit or that much uh, attention. Uh, I guess I still do sometimes. You guys might see some of the goofy videos that I put out with uh, like Jordan Wildman when he does some of his listing videos. I was Bowser. Uh, I got to sing like Jack Black and come up with some creative lyrics. I like doing things like that. Um, and yeah, when I was younger, I knew that uh, I knew that I could do anything that I wanted. Like my parents always put that in me. And I, I really thought that I was gonna be a comic book drawer. Nice, <laughs> love it. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. I'm not good at remembering questions, so I gotta read them. <laughs> what do you think your purpose here on earth is? Mm. Uh, I think that for me, I, have, I feel a lot of purpose when I'm able to help, uh, quote unquote, I feel like this is more of a yogi or like spiritual person kind of belief, like a woo-woo thing, yeah. uh, it would, uh, the umbrella that it would go under is raising consciousness. So that just means raising the vibration 
the internal relationship that people have with themselves, raising the frequency, the way that they show up in their external lives, their relationships, their uh, power to manifest what they want, the law of attraction, um, to, to teach. I love teaching. I love teaching other people. And I love influencing people to work on themselves, to look at something with uh, in a different way, to look at something under a different light. Uh, I really get a lot out of convincing people to do personal development and then teaching them lessons uh, about life, the universal principles, that sort of thing. So overall, I think it's raising consciousness because as people get closer to uh, understanding that we're all interconnected somehow at the very simplest level, like we all come from the same God energy and, uh, and understanding and respecting each other's differences and coming from a place of empathy and responsibility equally that... Uh, it's kind of like a world peace answer almost. It's going in that direction. <laughs> I guess world peace. I feel like I feel like uh, what it, what is what am I on this earth for? World peace. You know, like Miss Congeniality or something like that. Yeah. I'm a Miss Indiana contestant right now. <laughs> Love that. World peace. So how how did you find your purpose? Oh. Well, What's funny, too, about finding my purpose is that uh, my answer now might be completely different in another five or ten years. And the certainty that I approach my purpose with is not so certain, not so solid, not so, uh, like, one of Dakota's strengths is that he's, like, very certain on certain things. Like, he he believes that some things are absolutely true. And... uh, I'm a little bit more fluid when it comes to belief and that sort of thing. So when I think of finding my purpose, I'm like, man, I'm still like a 5 out of 10 on that. Um, Just like my spirituality is a little bit more uh, interesting because I'm secular. You know, I'm not necessarily Christian, although I still have like a lot of respect for Christianity and that sort of thing. Um, uh, I just... When it comes to, like, finding my purpose, I think it's something that I'm still developing and uh, and learning for myself. And there are a lot of times where I fall off of it, where I'm not necessarily on my purpose or acting from a place of connecting with others. But I, I think it's developed over the course of the last five years or so. I'm 32 now, so my advice to all of the parents out there is child psychologist on a TED Talk said to keep your children alive until they're 25. There's still (laughs) parts of our brain that are developing. There's still things that we're learning and identifying with. And I know for folks out there who aren't necessarily super spiritual that uh, there was a course that I took on Hawaiian shamanism. I went all the way out to Hawaii, uh, learned this thing called Huna. And the elements, like the earth element, and the water element, and then the uh, the air element, and then the fire element. The, the last fire element is associated with spirituality, and it doesn't develop in a lot of people until later on in life. You know, you might be 45, 55, before you really start to feel like you are leaning toward, leaning into 
uh, feeling spiritual, feeling connected to God, feeling connected to consciousness, universe, spirit, higher self. So uh, I would say be be patient with yourself and know it's going to come in waves and it's going to hit harder as you get closer to death anyways because you're going to be curious about those things and more open to them probably. Yeah. I don't feel like you completely master it until like later on in life. And it it does change. Like for me, like it feels like I have different beliefs as I get older. So, yeah. How can you start a successful business? I think you can go a couple different directions. Um, It's funny because there's contradictory advice out there and when you sort of take all of that advice and then like boil it down to base principles, it ends up making a lot of sense. So uh, Gary Vee is a great uh, influence, uh, social media influencer, and he's got some great content out there. He encourages young people, like if you're younger and you're listening to this now, uh, Gary's like, dude, you know, if you're 30 years old and you're like, man, I need to have all of this figured out. Like my friends are more successful. Like you have some comparison syndrome. You, you don't know what your purpose is yet. You haven't exactly figured out what it is that you have to offer the world. Or maybe you know what you want to offer the world, but you haven't figured out how to sell it. Or maybe you know what you want to, the off, want to offer the world and it's just like not something that people are willing to pay for right now. Uh, it's okay you're going to figure it out. You just got to give it time. You got to be patient over the long term and then less patient in the short term. So you need to take consistent actions toward your goal and consistent actions in the way of uh, personal development because entrepreneurship is just personal development in disguise. And so even if you're just listening to podcasts, even if you're just reading books, even if you're just, uh, you turn your car into a library you started listening to, you know, it's almost like school where no one expects anything from you when you're a kindergartner or a first grader or a second grader. They might not even have grades yet. You spent like 13 years in school. You are probably on your first year of small business, you know. If you just started in small business, you might be on your first year. So uh, I would say to understand how uh, habits compound, to understand how your business will compound over time, and then there's an exponential relationship. Usually there's a small dip where you think about giving up, and then right after that, there's this amazing hockey stick thing that happens where your business starts uh, launching like it's a trajectory toward the moon. So that will eventually happen. You'll eventually get to a place where Uh, things will take off, things will be great. Man, when it comes to the type of business you should create, uh, the ones that work and work well are documented as far as wealth creation. Those are going to be more boring and they're going to bring you less purpose. Uh, Work is like, you know, 60% of your life. Like you think hours-wise, it's eight hours a day. Um, You might as well love what you do. And so... You can make money at absolutely anything. Developing the skills to make money is the hardest part. I mean, base principles, boil it all down again. Uh, The main things that you need to focus on are bringing in high enough amounts of money 
that you can't go under. So you have to be able to sell really well, which means you need to focus on marketing and then you have to have great sales skills. There's the product itself. Even if it's a service, it's still the product. And then there's the finances, finding money, getting lines of credit, uh, leverage. I know that Dave Ramsey fans don't like that word, but having access to massive amounts of capital means that you can create more skills and more resources more quickly, which means you can scale faster. And then lastly, some place to keep all your data, uh, customer relationship management software, because you got to remarket to people. It should get easier every single year for you to make more money because you're getting referrals, especially if your service or product is amazing. Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures, and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing. Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about Batch Leads is that if you skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch Leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and driving for dollars app integrated in a simple to use interface. Click the link below and try Batch Leads today. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> How can people live a happier life? Mm. I'm asking some like yeah. questions. <laughs> well, I think I think the question that or I almost covered this in the in a previous question and I would just say that uh, rather than focusing on having a happier life, you should focus on having a meaningful life because happiness can be fleeting. And sometimes the way that people uh, think of when they when they think of happiness, they think of um, what's going to bring them like short-term joy rather than like long-term purpose, peace, congruency with the self. And uh, so... Two ways to increase your experience of life in general is to practice gratefulness regularly, consistently, um, because that's going to raise your frequency, your ability to attract new things into your life. When you already love everything that you already have, you end up getting more. Like to whom, to whom uh, some is given, like more will come kind of principle. And then uh, to also practice... Uh, meditation because you know prayer is when you talk to God meditation is when God talks to you uh, meditation itself is known to raise your vibration when you're focusing on consciousness when you're focusing on the ability to observe your thoughts like a good analogy would be that we are like the sun the sun is always in the sky regardless of if you can see it or not. It's just sometimes the clouds get in the way. The clouds are like your thoughts. The sun is you. The sun is still there no matter what. You have the ability to observe and be conscious of your thoughts. And that would be like a mindfulness practice, but there are also other types of meditation. And then outside of that, uh, there's also when it comes to mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health, all of those things are connected to your experience. So if you want to improve 
your emotions. Uh, there's things like mental emotional release that I do with people. If you want to improve your mentality, there are things like counseling available. If you want to improve your physical health, you can go to the gym, you can do some yoga, you can go for walks. Uh, if you want to improve your spiritual health and you've uh, done a lot of like meditative practices and gotten into um, talking to God through prayer and things like that, those are things that are going to bring you more peace and more connection and more congruency. So uh, pursue what is meaningful and then understand that also you've got to be taking care of yourself because it's like mind, body, spirit. They're all interconnected. They're all important. Awesome. Uh, what is what is your favorite um, type of meditation? Mm. So lately I've been listening to a lot of Dr. Joe Dispenza, and uh, I know that he has some meditation retreats. I think it's a little bit higher level to get used to his style too because his style is so much uh, focus on the space and being – conscious of the infinite abundant energy that flows through everything um whereas something like headspace would be a great start for people so if you have never meditated before and you'd like to understand the principles behind a mindful meditation get the headspace app and then after you get the headspace app and you go through all of those you want to move into something a little bit more uh for more seasoned folks the Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations. You can just YouTube a lot of them and then uh, buy his courses eventually. Go to one of his meditation retreats. But what he has people focus on from a meditation perspective is really powerful. He actually was on a documentary called Heal, and he was hit by a Ford Bronco when he was doing a triathlon. Um, and he broke his back in like several different places and compressed some of his vertebrae and some of his discs and things like that. Ordinarily, he said that he would have encouraged anyone and everyone to have the surgery to get their back better, uh, but he used visualization techniques, manifestation techniques. Um, he just talked about how the vibration of healing in the body, the body, if you get it up to a certain vibration, will begin to heal itself. And we have the when you're connected to God, we have the ability to heal ourselves. So Dr. Joe Dispenza just ended up apparently healing himself completely without the need for surgery or anything, which is miraculous. It's a miracle. It's a little hard to believe. But mm -hmm. watch that Heal documentary and uh, then do some of Dr. Joe Dispenza's meditations. They're really good. Nice. Wasn't he basically like almost paralyzed or paralyzed? Yeah, they... They put him in a wheelchair. Um, they said that, like, hey, you're never going to walk again unless you have this surgery. And he was like, well, let me let me try something for a little while. And then he would just imagine his vertebrae filling in from the very lowest point and all of the the bony masses and musculature and the, the material that the discs are made of just... Uh, the nerves. I think he just had a really good idea of how he wanted his body to heal and what signals he wanted to send it to explain to it how to recreate his entire spine. So uh, it's hard to believe. Um, I wouldn't trust myself to do it. I'd probably get the surgery, but uh, I like I like his meditations. 
That's crazy and amazing at the same time. Um, is there a work-life balance for most people? I think that there were some polls out, and I don't remember exactly what the polls were saying. And I, it, it all depends on what source you get it from. Somewhere between 60 to 80% of people don't actually and genuinely enjoy what they do. And uh, so to those people, man, it's it's difficult to go from job to job. I've done it a lot. I had like 14 different jobs before I got into the business full time. And that's not necessarily the path that I'd recommend for other people. <laughs> I think uh, for folks who are feeling enough cognitive dissonance at work, they're feeling enough like, man, this is not it. This is not my purpose. This is not right. I can't continue to do this. Uh, maybe it's doing that job and then having your side hustle or doing that job and then um, going to seminars to figure out your life's purpose, to find the resources that you need in order to create the business that you want. It's doing something about it because uh, I don't think there would be much talk of work-life balance if people genuinely enjoyed what they were doing and then figured out how to involve their family in it. Uh, yeah. The disconnect, too, is like when you genuinely enjoy what you do and your family doesn't understand and or tolerate it and or want to be part of it and or, you know, like if your family's just like, dude, I appreciate what you do for work, but like when you're here, I need you here with me. Well, if, if your family like genuinely thinks that your work is interesting and valuable and wants to be part of it too, or you figure out how to train them slash get them interested in the same exact thing, then like that's a powerful position to be in. So um, when uh, the goal too, always with with work in general, work is one thing, and for the majority of people, they'll never get to this point. Um, that what I'm thinking of is passive income or residual income that uh, creates somewhat of a nest egg so that you're not necessarily ever worried about money or money being the issue. Uh, when you can create enough uh, to pay your expenses and then some, then you have the opportunity to go travel. Then you have the opportunity to do what you want. I know Brad Lee and Ryan Pineda and a lot of these guys say that like, hey, life starts when you hit 250000 a year. <laughs> and if, if you're just, if you're making 250000 a year, but you're just working 60 to 80 hours a week at a job that you're not super happy about, that doesn't bring you a lot of purpose and that sort of thing, it's like, you're still just trading your time for money a lot of times. There's, you know, it's easy to have baggage around work, uh, which I found out just by letting go of some of my career stuff uh recently mm -hmm. yeah i think it was joe rogan he said um like just get to a place where like you don't have to worry about your bills and, like once you get there like everything's changes um well i guess this leads into the other question how much money is enough money how much money is enough money i think that your there's something called your success thermostat that Ed Milet talks about where he talks about, you know, uh, once you reach a certain point, let's say that you start making a certain amount of money, then when you start to make more, you'll self-sabotage and end up back at that unless you raise your frequency, unless you raise your vibration, unless you change 
your internal success thermostat, then you'll fall back to what you expect. It's homeostasis. It's our ego needing to be right. So if we can be right uh, consistently, if we can keep creating the same results, if we can keep proving ourselves right, if we have limiting beliefs around money and that sort of thing, then we'll continue to fall back to that set amount where even if we make more money, maybe we'll end up spending more money and then we won't actually get to keep the money that we're making or we'll get taxed more or we won't find ways to avoid the taxes and that sort of thing. So I think enough money uh, is just enough to pay your bills. Uh, it's enough to uh, put a little bit of money back it's an it's enough to have hope for the future it's enough to be able to imagine a compelling amazing abundant future and so uh maybe right now you're just making a little bit of money and that's okay because uh you understand with the vision that you're creating that there's going to be more in the future and it's not just going to be um you know, a small tick up, it's going to be a big wave at some point that, that goes up exponentially. I mean, uh, there are some people who have very, very little money and are still extremely happy in giving and that sort of thing. I think in the U.S. we focus on success monetarily a lot more, creating abundance in that capacity. And uh, people go through stages too. At some point when you start making a bunch of money, you'll end up overspending a bunch and using a lot of product and throwing a lot of things away and donating a lot of things to goodwill. And then maybe at some point you reach a point where you're like, man, I should be using this money to help other people. And you want to give back in a generous way and, you know, give, give people who don't have shelter places to live and give people who don't have food, food and access to education and that sort of thing. So I I think we're all blessed in the U.S. anyways. We're already part of the 1% not the 1% of Americans, but the 1% of the world. You know, if you're making like 30 grand a year, you're still in the 1%. And so uh, you're still in a good spot where, for the most part, like you have 27 different uh, electronic mechanisms in your phone that otherwise would have been, you know, $1,000 each back in the day when this technology first became available. And so we have running water. We, We keep moving up what poor means and what poverty is. And so our baseline for determining whether or not someone is poor keeps going up. You know, everyone has access to life-saving medications. And if you go get them and they're way too expensive and you don't pay them, you just end up with a judgment on your credit. And I don't even think it shows up and hurts your credit ever since COVID either. So, um, yeah, we have, we have a lot of blessings. We have a lot to be grateful for. Uh, I think everybody's got uh, enough money for the most part. It's just creating abundance that's the difficult thing. Getting out of that fight or flight mode that's the difficult thing. Getting out of that survival instinct and that fear and that anxiety for the future and that worry of going broke. Those are the things that are that are a bigger test than having enough money. Is more like how can you create a mindset that will attract uh, money to you? What is your favorite thing about being a business owner? Um, well, it used to be uh, freedom, autonomy. I didn't like anybody telling me what to do. 
And my half-sister Heidi jokingly said, like, I think we get that from dad, um, which is just kind of funny if you know my dad at all. Just not really wanting people to tell you what to do. At the same time, um, that's that comes more from baggage than anything. And my highest life value is to have a positive, compelling future. So some of my anxiety and worry is just me projecting things out into the future and wondering if they're going to work out or not. When I'm able to put faith into the possibility of having an amazing future, then it makes me so much more likely to be happy with my current situation, especially with work. And being a business owner, you kind of get to shape and decide what you'd like to create in the future. You sort of project out a potential future and then give life to it. So um, that's my favorite part of being a business owner is just feeling like I'm fulfilling that value of creating an abundant, positive, awesome, compelling potential future. What is your number one priority? Wow, that's interesting. I feel like we just answered it with the last question, kind <laughs> of. But yeah, my my number one life value is a positive potential future. So knowing that or, or having hope that the future is going to be amazing. Uh, my second biggest one is personal growth and development. And then my third one is actually my daughter. And I think a lot of people who are like, my kids will come first. I'll always put my kids first, my kids before anything, blah, 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 that sort of thing. I think those people are going to be upset by that answer because if you know my daughter, you know that she's awesome and she's she deserves uh, anything that she wants. She's like this abundant, cute, adorable. Uh, she has the zest and this love for life, and she's my favorite human, and I absolutely love her, and she's the best. Where I'm at right now, values-wise, uh, if she was my number one value, I would move to where she lives. I live about an hour, hour and ten minutes away from her. Uh, I would have already bought a property there. I would sell everything. I would go work a job that I didn't like and I would go be with her because she's she would be the number one value but that's not actually if I'm being honest with myself if I put my hand over my heart and I close my eyes and I think about where my values actually are in life positive compelling future is my number one priority uh, personal growth and development sometimes I'll skip weekends with my daughter and that sort of thing to go do seminars to become the best version of myself so I can come back and be a better dad and teach her everything that I know. Um, and then the third most important life value to me is my daughter. So that's the order of importance for me. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and honestly we've tried several different CRMs and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. Cool. I like that. Um, what do you believe happens after we pass away? Hmm. See, this is a difficult one. Um, I don't know how many folks who are like uh, in and around our business and stuff like that know that I'm not necessarily a Christian. So this would be like uh, a less certain answer. And uh, there's a couple different 
philosophies that I think are fairly interesting. Um, one would be, and even from a Christian perspective, this is still valuable, uh, to believe that possibly before you were born, you were with the consciousness, energy, beingness. You were with God in your spiritual form. So before you ever came to earth, if you were a thought in God's mind, you were with the energy of God, which means you were one with God. So then when, uh, from a Christian perspective, when you become human, then everything goes to crap because <laughs> humans are kind of screwed biblically. <laughs> it's just like a curse. If you become human, then you're, you're automatically screwed from the time that you were conceived um, because you because of the sinful nature of humans. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. But what I think is, you know, we were with God uh, originally. And then when we die, if you just imagine, if you closed your eyes and did a meditation right now, floated up above your timeline, and then went 15 minutes beyond the successful completion of your life. So you imagine yourself dying, and then you just float beyond that. If you're able to feel something, think something, see something, hear something, if there's some sort of feedback there, if you imagine that, it's like you're still greater than your body. Like something that people say who uh, are like more on the spiritual side, are like, hey, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So when our bodies die, that's not who we are necessarily. Like... You know, if you've ever been with a dead body, you're just like, dude, that's not them. Yeah. Like, I know yeah. who they are, and that's that's not them. That body there doesn't – they it can't contain all of the joy and energy and life force and abundance that that person was. And so I hope we keep living <laughs> <laughs> or existing in some capacity or we come, become one with the abundance of God. Um, you know, hell is a pretty uh, terrifying thing to imagine. And so although I've gotten a lot of influence throughout my life in the form of Christianity being like, yo, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're uh, experiencing fire forever and like the worst pain imaginable, that sort of thing. <laughs> I'd, really, I'd really like to hope that uh, that's not necessarily true. So... Um, that's that's one interpretation that I really enjoy. Another interpretation that is rather funny because it's almost like humans trying to interpret the the nature of God. Like we would have really no idea. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes I think that religion is just uh, taking spirituality and then putting it in a box, or taking spirituality and putting it in a book uh, <laughs> so somebody else somebody will like fucking hate on me on social media now <laughs> be like dude that's yeah. not cool but um another theory is just that like uh we are all god re-experiencing itself so if you imagine god getting bored and just being like uh, there's no way for god an uncaused first cause an abundant infinite energy to get feedback of any kind, to get uh, experiences of any kind. It'd be, like, incredibly lonely. And so perhaps, this is just, like, somebody's, this is not even my theory. Yeah. But I think it's a really cool idea. 
we're all like one trillionth, trillionth, trillionth God. And when we die, it all becomes an accumulation of the infinite knowledge of the universe or the infinite knowledge of God. So that like we're all one very, 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 very small like experience an accumulation of the knowledge and experiences of of the universe. <laughs> nice. So like there's no um there's no real I mean there is a real way of knowing what happens, but like there's no actual like it's all about belief and like you have to have faith, right? Like in whatever you believe. So there's no actual I mean besides the Bible and like what you believe. Mm-hmm. It's like it's hard. It's hard to know exactly what happens. Honestly, <laughs> this is all faith. Change gears. Mm-hmm. How important is um, fitness and health? Uh, so we're mind, body, spirit. Oh, a, a good way, really quick, just to know that we're more than our bodies. That we're more than just our emotions that were more than, you know, there's, there's more stuff going on than you'd think. Um, this isn't always the best example, but I've used it with the guys before is just to, uh, imagine something bad happening to one of your family members because your heart starts racing and your throat gets tight. Maybe you start to feel it in your body. That, uh, that imagination that you just used to perceive a negative event happening, that imagination is part of your subconscious mind. It's your emotional body, and it's very much connected to you. And so in the same way, you can go from the physical body up to the spiritual body or from the spiritual body down to the mental body, down to the emotional body, down to your physical body. Your physical body is like the, uh, you know, it's like the... Uh, the meat suit that you walk around with that, that helps you uh, experience your uh, your spiritual being having a human experience. So there's all sorts of layers to who we are. But when you when you focus on either one, you focus on your physical body or you focus on your emotional body or your mental body or your spiritual body, it all ends up manifesting into a better you, a better experience of life. So it doesn't matter if you go to the gym or if you pray or if you meditate, all of those things are going to accumulate uh, and eventually compound into uh, exponential results. So you you might not feel great now uh, going to the gym. It's when you go to the gym... Uh, consistently for years that your body ends up uh, changed in such a way that it's more difficult to reverse or go back to that old way that you used to be. In the same way, be it practicing gratefulness, practicing meditation, you know, those, those sort of things end up manifesting into a better you in the same way, just an accumulation of you know, com- compounding habits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sweet. Um, how do you think somebody can lose body fat and keep it off for good? Lose body fat 
and keep it off forever. This question is going to get real deep. <laughs> it's, okay. it's a surface level question, but it, I think that it stems from something much different than what most people would think. So there's a seminar that I went to and they, they do a terrible job of explaining this lesson. And they're basically like, hey, Cody, you want to lose weight? You'd be like, yeah. They'd be like, too bad. So sad. <laughs> it's never going to happen. doesn't matter how hard you try. And you're like, no, no, no. I've done it before. I can lose the weight. Like, nope. doesn't matter. Even if you do, you'll just gain it back. And you're like, what? No, no, no. I'm going to. It's the, the point is that what you resist persists. And so in order to create something new, you have to reach a point where you're completely okay with exactly as you are now. You have to reach a point of complete acceptance of, of your current situation. And you have to reach nothingness on it, which means that instead of feeling guilty, shame, angry, sad, you know, instead of all of these negative emotions that are attached to memories from your past of being heavy, getting heavier, uh, getting sad and then emotional eating, kicking yourself over getting sad and then emotional eating, um, overeating, uh, hanging out with friends and, and eating sugary things and then enjoying those memories and going back to those memories when you feel sad. It's like in order to actually create something new and have it last, in order to create lasting weight change, there's something usually emotional going on. There's usually something spiritual going on. There's usually some baggage that's associated with your eating habits, with your weight, uh, maybe something that you've held on to in the form of habits from your parents and the way that you were brought up. And so you have to be able to let go of all of that stuff. The best, the best tool that I have for that is mental emotional release, which I've been doing a lot of lately. Mm -hmm. It's a neurolinguistic programming thing. You can hit me up if you want that specific tool, that session. It's like eight to 12 hours of digging into why the why behind of why you keep on the weight. Um, I mean, the short-term answer is just like, just uh, have a food journal and post it on your Facebook every day. Then you've got accountability, and then, you know, you got to report everything you're, you eat. And if you're 100% honest, you'll just end up shaming yourself into losing weight. If you don't want to feel shame anymore around the food that you eat, you have to figure out the root cause, the, the story way back when you were young, the, the reason why you overeat, and it probably has to do with negative emotions you experienced along with memories, along with baggage. you got to get to a point where you can end your resistance to being whatever weight you are so that you can create the new future that you want. You know, uh, And this is even like good for the, the Christian story, which is that like in the beginning there was God and like that was it. Like, you can't create from something. There wasn't like a bunch of stuff there in the beginning. There was nothing. <laughs> yeah. So once you reach nothingness on something, then you can create a brand new story, a brand new belief about yourself, a brand new identity. As soon as you get through the resistance and accept where you're at now, uh, once you understand that the, the concrete that's already been you know established, then you can go back break it up and lay some new concrete gotcha so you have to accept it first is that mm -hmm. what you're saying yeah you have to accept it and also figure out what 
trauma in your past has created it and then find the root cause of that trauma and figure out how to let it go completely and make peace with it so that you don't recreate that dysfunction again. Because if you just lose weight um, strictly from a place of uh, hating what you are now or hating things that happened in your past or hating, you know, any strong emotional connection, resistance to uh, being that way is going to make losing weight feel like walking through quicksand. Yeah. It's going to make it more difficult if you're forcing it. How long do you want to live for? Mm. Uh, Chris Crone... Uh, I love some of his YouTube stuff, and he he has a YouTube short where he's like, I'm confident I'm going to live until I'm 140 years old. I hope he's right. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be awesome, especially with the things that he does with his diet, the, the doctors that he's got checking his blood. I mean, for me, I'm like, dude, if I'm going to be 140, I want, like, the peptides. I want the testosterone. I want the like constant blood draws. I want them like optimizing my health. I'm going to be doing red light therapy and hyperbaric oxygen chambers and cold plunges and saunas and uh, supplementation for gene mutations that I've got. Uh, I, you know, uh, burn off any skin that's like potentially cancerous and like fix all of the existing skin that I've got. I need like all the regimens, all the doctors, all the carbon filters for my for my air that's coming into my house. I need chefs. I need like a garden out back, you know, where they're just getting stuff straight out of the backyard that's nutrient and dense food. I mean, I'm gonna have to be working out. I got. I'll have to eat less because I eat more than I uh, would want to if I'm gonna like go in the direction of longevity. And there's probably some things in the short term that I need to change anyways in the form of uh, me having like higher cholesterol, higher triglycerides, that sort of thing. So I'm uncovering these things. I'm a bit of an exercise science nerd myself. And man, this is something else that's kind of controversial. I'm like, Elon, like hook me up, put that chip in my, <laughs> put that chip in my brain. Yeah. Uh, all I can imagine is that it's just going to like give me access to so much more stuff like Hey, you know, if you switched out this food for this food, it would make you healthier. Hey, this food actually leads to a lot more uh, digestive issues because you have this specific gene mutation. Don't eat that food next time. Or like, you know, check in my insulin, check in my blood sugar, check in my, like, I just imagine whatever the heck chip, Neuralink, uh, and I love Elon stuff too. I'm like an Elon Musk fan. If he comes out with something like that, I don't care if it's like, um, if it was a million, I don't think I'd be able to afford it. If it's a hundred grand, I'll max out all my credit cards. I'm get all my lines of credit. I'm getting that freaking chip uh, so that I have infinite, abundant information, influence, and uh, even if there, there's even uh, some jokes that I just threw out there. I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we had like if we could just see in the dark, you know, like night vision, like just <laughs> just like anything that you can conceive the chip could figure out how to help you create and I would just like 10x my efficiency and my effectiveness and my output and my thinking would just be 
on fire. I already feel like my brain's on fire all the time, but like if if I had uh, God powered with Neuralink, like all of a sudden everything's making ten times more sense, dude, game over. I would like, give me the chip. <laughs> nice. So do you have like a magic number or like a minimum number you're thinking that you would hope um, to live for? No, not really. I think uh you know, obviously everybody and their brother is gonna say, Well, if my body's good and my yeah. brain is good, then you know, I would keep going and um I have faith that our uh, as much as things are getting worse, that things are also getting better at the same time. So everything that we see on the news is dramatized, and it's whatever gets the most clicks and whatever gets the most attention. And I know that there's some folks out there who are, you know, hardcore patriots who are, like, probably, like, screaming at the podcast right now. Um, and then there's some folks out there who are, like, hardcore liberals who, like, really think that we're destroying the planet and that things are going to crap and that, you know, if I don't recycle absolutely everything that's recycled, I should be killed. Um, and so yeah. there's just, you know, like, the those are all values that I've sort of gotten to the point where I'm, like, pretty rejectant of now. Um, I moved into the area of, like, show me the science. I want to know the strategy. I want to know how to win. I want to know, you know, I'm so obsessed with just like, for me, I want to know all the information. I want to know all the newest technology. I want all the skills. I want all the techniques, all the resources. So I'm excited about living as long as I possibly can. And by the time uh, it's time for me to say goodbye, I hope that I am in a spot where I am very much just like, hey, if I die, then it's okay. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Awesome. You have any final thoughts for the viewers? Yeah, I think the, the only thing that comes to mind is the, the recent um, realization that I had, which is just uh, to, to move from this old belief that I used to have of everyone's a hypocrite where, you know, then everyone deserves judgment uh, and blaming and that sort of thing to a place of everyone's just doing the best they can with the resources that they have because uh, it allows for a lot more forgiveness. It allows for a lot more empathy. And so if you feel yourself resonating more with the everyone is a hypocrite, just know that you have some personal growth to do. I also resonated with that until just recently. And uh, the way is just to understand that like people can change, they're capable, and uh, a lot of times they're just running programs that they learned from their parents. They have limiting beliefs that they inherited genealogically or, or in some way they you know, have these beliefs that they created that aren't serving them anymore or uh, limiting decisions that are holding them back from being the best version of themselves. So be patient with people, be empathetic with people, and uh, know that they're doing the best that they can, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thank you. That was good. Thanks.